So years ago, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the balcony of our 6,000-seat auditorium at the church that I was kind of grew up in, a uh, big mega church. And uh, <clears throat> earlier that month, uh, our, we'd gotten a new youth pastor. His name was Rick Bezet, and uh, we had lost our youth pastor. And mom and dad had put me in a Christian school where I learned to be carnal. It was awesome. And so I was, you know, I was uh, approached by him. He came and he got me out of class, and he said, he said, Adam. I want to ask you for your help. I said, okay. He goes, God's going to do something great in this city. And I'm looking for a couple key leaders to serve with me so we can shake this city for the Lord. And I know you're a great leader. And the Christian school does whatever you say for them to do. And, and, uh, and I just want you to, I mean, I want, let's be sold out for God. We're going to heal the sick. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to cast out the devil. It's going to be amazing. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. And I had this whole attitude thing about it because first of all he's he's a little arrogant and he was you know throwing vision all out there and and you know it was my junior year in high school and I was like whatever you know and I was trying to be cool and and so I just kind of brushed him off and a couple weeks went by and I I'm sitting in the balcony and and uh of our church and uh and the two coolest dudes in our city one was a black dude named Brad Turner he was the captain of the football team of our big high school in the area and then the other one was a white dude named Casey Hennigan who these guys both became later on became my best friends and Casey was the uh, you know, he was the cool white, you know, Abercrombie, you know, uh, model guy at the other high school down the road. And, and so they walked, I'll never forget, they walked into the service and they went and sat right down front next to Pastor Rick while me and all the carnal Christian teenagers were sitting up in the balcony. And I'll never forget, they started worshiping God and loving Jesus and they're high fiving Pastor Rick. And in that moment, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, If you don't change your attitude, you're going to miss the call of God I have for your life. And it shook me. I'll never forget, I saw a mental picture of me just being a carnal Christian, working a job, getting married, blah, 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 and never doing anything great for God. And in that moment, I recognized my attitude is going to cause me to miss God's plan for my life. And I set a meeting with Pastor Rick, and I sat down with him. I said, I'm in. What do I have to do? And guys, to this day, he's my pastor. And I'll tell you something, it changed my life because I changed my attitude. Attitude is something. It's amazing um, how life has changed over the last few years. I don't know about you, but I remember when we actually had conversations face-to-face. And, uh, and we didn't text each other. And, uh, and we didn't just throw things out on social media. I remember when we were actually communicators. In fact, it's been interesting to watch over the last couple of years. Uh, one of the things that's very difficult in the way we communicate now is that we're sending, we're sending words on a screen. So you don't get the intent behind it. You don't get the feeling or the emotion behind it. So as a result, somebody started deciding I needed to be able to represent the emotion by which I'm trying to communicate. So they created these emojis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? these emojis. And so they, they quote, communicate if I'm being really angry when I say this, or I'm being kind of sweet or whatever. And, and, and they created all these emojis. In fact, here's a little point of reference. As of 24 hours ago, there were 2,666 emojis. Does it, you say, well, you know, I didn't think I had that many attitudes and emotions that I was trying to express. Well, somebody has identified 2,666 of them. And so, obviously, there is a lot that we're trying to communicate, and especially when it comes to our attitude about things, so much so that we've now created little symbols to represent what we're talking about and what we're trying to express. With that being said, as we jump into today's teaching, and for the next four weeks, we're starting a new series that we're calling The Toods. Everybody say The Toods. 
right, the attitudes that each and every one of us carry, we need to change. I'm going to just tell you like this. Each and every one of you got a tood. I'm going to just let you know. He said, I don't have any attitude. See, there you go. See, right there. Each and every one of us have blind spots and tudes that need to change and need to be, uh, you know, reworked in Christ. And friend, I'm telling you, by the end of this series, you and I are going to be happy, happy people doing great things for God. And people around us are going to say, I don't know what's happened, but your attitude's different. We're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now over the next couple moments that as I share your word and bring truth to our congregation, truth to myself as you've given me revelation about even me, that, Lord God, that each and every one of us would have an attitude shift, that, Lord God, that this would become not just some little something we talk about, but something that shifts and changes for us, and that, Lord God, by the end of this whole process, we'll look like Jesus, smell like Jesus, talk like Jesus, and have the attitudes of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Attitude defined is this. This is the definition of what an attitude is. It's an inward feeling or thought expressed by behavior. In other words, we've got these feelings and thoughts inside of us, and before we know it, we, we don't even realize, but we, we didn't call it an attitude. Or we've got these feelings or thoughts, that, and all of a sudden you done said something or done something that's ticked me off, and so as a result, I start having this behavior that's all about an attitude. Come on, we've all had co-workers who had attitudes. Come on, somebody. How about those of us raising teenagers? There you go. How about those of us sitting next to people who are raising teenagers? How about teenagers who have parents with attitudes? We all have attitudes. But look what the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 22. This is going to be our key scripture today in reference to attitudes. And today's lesson is going to literally be about kind of identifying those attitudes and understanding the impact that those attitudes have on our life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. You can turn there quickly or you can watch it on the screen. It says, you are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Everybody say amen. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 23 is our key piece here. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. Verse 24, to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, each and every one of us have these attitudes. We have these tudes, if you will, about our life. And the Word of God says we were taught to take those and take them off. To to put off the old attitudes and take on the new attitude of Christ. That there should be a transaction happening here where one thing is being removed and another thing is being applied. I, I picture it almost like taking off an old pair of shoes and putting on a new pair of shoes. I, I, I picture it, it's going to be a little awkward. They may not feel exactly something. They're going to look good. People are going to notice it. It's going to get attention and we're going to be able to say, wow, something new has happened. You know what it's like when you get something new. When you get a new car and you wrap yourself in that and you pull up at work. Hey, how y'all doing? That's why. Because you took the old and you replaced it with something new. Frank, can I tell you something? Each and every one of us got some tubes left over from the past, from our old self, and they need to be replaced with the attitude of Christ. Do you believe that? Say, Yes. And I was just thinking, you know, they got all these different emojis. You got the little smiley face. You got the little laughter with the little tears. You got the little hot red one, you know. You got the little loved one. But I was thinking the, uh, earlier uh, this week, um, they missed out a couple of them. A couple of dudes that I seem to constantly run into here in the church world and, in, and people who call themselves Christians. Like that, like that dude that I call a critical spirit. I don't know how they would make that emoji, but I'd like to see that made. So I could just, just hold it up and say, that's you right now. Just critical. Nothing, nothing 
nothing's good enough. Just, you know, that girl right there, look at her, what she's wearing right there. Just that critical spirit that's never good enough. The youth ministry's not good enough. The ministry's not good enough to such a, just that critical thing. Or how about this other one? And that is that always depressed. I know they got one that looks a little similar, but I'm talking about, I just, some, some people drive me insane. You're, it's never good enough. It's always not going to work. It's the Debbie Downer. The sky is falling. We can't, nothing's working in my life. Pastor, pray for me again this week. Again this week. Anything changed? No, it's just like, I, I just, it just needs to be an emoji that we can just hang around your neck so that, you know, that you just know that we all know that you are literally living in a spirit of depression. Or how about that one that's never satisfied? Or how about that, uh, that, that, that attitude that, that it's so easily frustrated? I mean, whatever you do, it frustrates them. You, whether good or bad, they're always frustrated or constantly complaining or everyone else is the problem. I'd love to get that emoji figured out that you're always caring that everyone else is the problem. It's not your fault. In fact, you're not to blame. It's just everybody else has made my life miserable. That's an attitude that so many people carry in this hour. And then the last one that I was thinking of, I would love, it's just, it, we call it in the business world, we call it with them. What's in it for me? With them. What's in it for me? And the amazing fact that everyone views everything that happens in their life, what's in it for me? How's this going to affect me? Oh, my goodness. And I, I just love to get that attitude some type, some way qualified so that I could just start texting it to people and say, this is what you're doing right now. This is the attitude that's not like Jesus right now. That's literally driving us all insane, and none of us want to be in your, on your team or interact with you. Friend, these attitudes are literally destroying our lives. They really are. I, I'm telling you, they've destroyed marriages. They've destroyed friendships, small groups. They've destroyed, they've destroyed business deals. And you and I need to understand that Jesus Christ asked us in this Ephesians 4, his Holy Scriptures tell us, take off the old attitude and put on the new attitude in Jesus Christ. And so there's a couple of thoughts on where these came from that I'd like to share with you today. So where did all these attitudes come from? Where did we get them from? Well, how, did, how did this happen in my life? Well, first and for, foremost, number one, write this down. It's the way some of us were raised. We were just raised like that. Your grandma's grumpy. Your mama's grumpy. You're grumpy. Just, it's the way you were raised. That's what you saw. That's just what you saw. I mean, it's, and so it's just the way you were raised. And so, you know, so this guy starts dating you, and he realizes once he visits your house and, see, and meets your mom, oh, my Lord, now I know where it comes from right there. Come on. You know the first time you went to Christmas with them? You're like, I got it. Never mind. I got it. Now, thank you. Thank you. I understand what I'm dealing with. Why? Because it's just the way they were raised. It's what they always do. They're always critical. You know, they're always the ones pulling out a little string. You know, the grandma does it. They got a point now. If there's anything halfway not good in your life, the moment you go to Christmas, grandma's going to point it out. Well, I just want to ask you something. Did you really, really mean to say such and such? I saw your Facebook post. And it's like, Grandma, you look at Facebook and just start putting, just start, and just, oh, that's where my wife got that from. Or, oh, that's where my husband got that from. Why? It's because it was the way they were raised. Here's the second one uh, where the, some of these old self-attitudes come from. The old self-attitudes come from. Number two is soul food. And what I mean by that soul food, it's the food that you feed your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. See, see, some of you are so caught up in what means so much to you, but you don't realize it's actually creating the bad attitude that you have. For example, you lo- I, can't, I can't hardly watch the news. Why? Because after they reported about the 13,000 rapes and the 1,600 murders and the guy driving down the road with his motorcycle, so he kicks the car and the car swerves and tries to hit him and then flips the car and everybody dies. I, now when I get in my car, I'm like, where's the motorcycle? I'm going to hit him too. They're all out to kill me. Just, and I drive road rage because I see road rage because that's all they're talking about because that's all I'm listening to. Or, or, or take your music, for example. And the reason why some of you got such an attitude with perversion is because that's all you listen listening to and seriously and I'm gonna get it on with you 
It's true. And some of you, look, all you country music people, that's why you lost your horse. That's why your dog died. That's why your truck's broke down. Why? Because that's what you're feeding yourself. So guess what? You take that attitude on. You can't stop it. You're like, well, you know, it's just how it's going to be, Pastor. Just what it is, you know. That's just, or some, you know, we were dealing with somebody the other day. And, and, and look, they have seen every horror movie that's ever come out. Every horror movie. And we were asking, hey, would you consider helping us start a small group? <gasps> Fear came over them like, somebody's going to come in my house and stab me. I saw that episode. I was like, are you, What? And the reason why is because what you feed yourself. And so, listen, I want to tell you something. That's why, that's why when you come to services, so many of you are like, because <sighs> you're finally getting something healthy in your life. You're finally getting a little bit of worship instead of worshiping everything else. We're now actually putting our attention on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What you feed yourself is what you become. I mean, listen, you keep putting that. No wonder you got spiritual cancer. No wonder you get, I don't know if God's real. I don't know if he's real. Why? Because you keep listening to all these idiots on YouTube. I guess so. I guess you are confused. Why? Because what you feed yourself. And that's where your attitude's coming from. Because what you put in is what you're going to get out. Isn't that good? You don't have to amen me, but I know it's true. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7, 23. He says, it's not what's on the outside of a man that makes him unclean, but what he puts on the inside. And he comes out in his attitude and the way he lives and the way he thinks and the way he acts, the way he talks. Here's a third reason that some of our old self attitudes are where they come from. The third place they come from is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. And I get it. You're in high school and you finally got a, got a guy that you were dating and, and you were in love with him and you thought he was a good dude. Come to find out he was messing around with all the other girls and he was playing you. And now here you are, you know, you're single, you're 67 years old. Men are all dogs. They're all dogs. No good, nothing but dogs because of something that happened to you, you know, back in the day. I get it. I, I understand it. But at some point, you need to take off the old self attitude and put on the new self attitude. That You know, and, you know so here, here's this guy in the church trying to be nice. Mm -hmm, I know what you want. I know all you want. I know your type. And you're sitting around lonely your whole life. Why? Because every time, every time that attitude jumps in place, every time. Or, you know, some of you won't even try to get a raise anymore. You won't even go and, 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 and sit down with the boss and say, what do I need to do better? Why? Because you tried that back in the day, and they passed over you and gave it to somebody else. And now you're excuse-driven. Well, it's only so-and-so kind of people we know. And you've got to be the kind that does all that brown. I won't do all. I'll tell you right now. I ain't brown-nosing nobody right now because I'll tell you. And what's happened is you've got this attitude, and you're missing promotion after promotion and opportunity after opportunity. Why? Because you had something happen back in the day, and now you're sitting around in that same attitude that this is what life is. This is just what I've got to to deal with. It's just what my life is going to be. Frank, can I tell you something? Those things may have happened to you, but they don't have to identify you for the rest of your life. Here's the fourth place that they come from, and that is just habit. Some of you, it's just habit. You don't even know you're doing it. You don't even know. I was meeting with some people the other day, and it's so funny. I told Jamie afterwards, a moment I made a suggestion, something they need to do, they went. They started doing this thing with their eyes. I was like, ooh, I know what that is. That means I'm not doing it. They don't even know they're doing it. They had an attitude about it. It was something they didn't want to do. And the moment I said, that, hey, I'm going to need you to do this, they started doing this thing with their face and, and their eyes and kind of stuff, like, like this little twitch. They have no idea that they have a sign. I mean, I would like to play poker with them. They had no idea that they had a tell. I'm looking up going, you, you're not going to do this, are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, no, you ain't. You're not going to. Look, because you did that little thing like that that you do. When you, when you, it's habitual now. You've already got an attitude about it because you feel that maybe I'm demeaning you or whatever else. And so as a result, your attitude 
attitude has kicked in, and now it's just habit. Some of you, it just, it's become habit. The moment you start smelling it the way it always smelled in the past, you start getting the attitude that you've always had in the past, and you can't even see God in the midst of something. Why? Because it's become habitual to look at it negatively. It's become habitual to be critical about it. Frank, can I tell you, the most watched preacher in the history of the world is Joel Osteen. Do you know why? You may not even like his doctrine, but that dude right there got a good attitude. I'm going to tell you that. We're so glad you came today and, and that you're here in our midst, and we just love you so much. And the Lord loves you. We all just love you. I mean, you can't do you, you, <laughs> I feel love. Why? Because his attitude is so stinking good, right? And, and, and that's why he's the, most, he, he's the most watched preacher in the history of the world. Why? Because he's got a good attitude. Friend, we can change our attitudes and become more like Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we'll start seeing some of these things that have been negative in our life start turning around. And so I want to give you just kind of a biblical example of one of these situations that literally just about destroyed a family because of a bad attitude. And we're going to talk about the prodigal son parable in Luke chapter 15. Now, just kind of set, it's a large passage, and so instead of reading the whole thing, let me just kind of give you the storyline as Jesus tells the story. He tells a story about two brothers and a father. And, uh, and, and the focus of the beginning of the story is about the baby brother, and he's a spoiled little brat, and, uh, and, and he's rebellious, and he comes to his dad, and he says, listen, I don't want to live the Christian walk. I don't want to live uh, morality. You know, I don't want to live like this. He says, I, I, I want to go try my way out, out at the world, but I can't wait for you to die to get my inheritance, so I want you to sell off whatever you've got to sell off to give me my portion of the inheritance, my part that, uh, that, that I'm owed because I'm a son of, uh, of yours. And so the father agrees to it. And he sells off however many cattle he's got to sell off or sheep or whatever he has to. And he gives that young man the money. And the Bible says it like this, that that man goes out, that young man goes out, and he spends it on prostitutes and crazy living and drunkenness until the money runs out. There was a famine in the land that he went partying in, way away from his family. And Jesus is using that literally as an illustration of the church. He's literally using that as an illustration of two different types. Those who stayed in the church and stayed faithful to the Father. And then those who ran away from God and went and lived the way they wanted to live. And that's usually how it's illustrated when you see it in sermons and you hear people tell the story. And the prodigal son, as he's called in the story, looks up one day and he's gotten so far down. He is so far humiliated because he's run out of money. He's got the attitude of pride. He can't go and humble himself because... Because his dad was right and he was wrong and he didn't want to admit it. And so now he's doing what any Jewish boy would never do in a billion years. And that is he's working on a pig farm, slopping the hogs. Come on, somebody. Jewish people don't do pigs. And all of a sudden, he is eating what they eat just so he can fill his stomach with something. Because there's such a famine in the land. And in the midst of the most horrible, come on, crack cocaine, uh, you know, uh, meth addict moment, he looks up and says, it's better at my daddy's house than where I'm at right now. Even if I have to go back and be one of his slaves, they get treated better, come on somebody, than where I'm being treated now. You know that to be true. No matter how good it is in the world, it's, ne- it's never good enough and it's always destruction and terror. And so he gets up out of his, his slop and he starts heading home. And the Bible says that the father waits, looking, and, and it's the insinuation that he's looking and waiting for his son's return. And when he sees him afar off, he takes off running, slaps him in the face and says, you loot no that's not at all what he does he you're like what story is that pastor what bible you've been reading <laughs> and he grabs him up in his arms and he holds him he weeps with him and he says strip away all the trash off of him all the old nasty clothes and put a new robe put a ring of authority back on his finger go kill the fatted calf because my son that once was lost is now saved come on how many of you been that guy that's been me before 
But then, this is where most people stop the storyline that Jesus tells. But Jesus is making two points. He's talking about the wayward one who comes home and the joy that heaven, that the father has when a wayward son or daughter comes back to him. But then he makes the point about the son. The son who responds to his little brother's back. And let's pick up right there what it says he does. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 15, it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because of him who is back safe and sound. In verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Look at that attitude. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Look at this father going out and pleading with him. What humility this father has. He says, he says but, his, uh, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never bi- disobeyed your orders. <laughs> That's not true. It's amazing when you have a bad attitude how you will paint a wrong picture of yourself and how good you really are. Yet you have never even given me a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But th- when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him, exclamation mark, yelling and screaming at him. Look at this attitude. If we were to read the next verse, the father, you can get the em- empathy, the, 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 the brokenness of his heart. He says, yeah, but he was lost and now he's home. See, what happened was, is that older brother, when that younger brother did what he did, he said, okay. Because it affected him as well. Because you've got to understand the way a family business works. If you take $100,000 out of the account... We can't do business as well. we got to replace that. And so it's five more years being set back to get that money back up and going. And he's been working it hard just to get that money back up and going. And then all of a sudden, you're going to bring this kid back after he slapped you in the face, slapped, slapped our religion, talked bad about you, and went and squandered it with wickedness. And I've been faithful. You ain't done nothing for me. Can I tell you that attitude in Jesus' parable is just as destructive as the attitude of rebellion that ran off, but now has come home. The father looks at him, he says, listen. And you get this sense, how did you lose my heart over the last few years? How did you lose what matters? None of this matters. What matters is he was lost, and now he's found. See, what happens is we get bad attitudes, and when those things happen, we don't even realize the impact that it's having on the different areas of our life. So let me give you a couple impacts, areas, that bad attitudes and wrong attitude has over mine in your life. Number one, first impact of the old self attitude, it'll, it, it'll cause dishonor in our relationships. It'll cause you and I to dishonor the relationships that God's given us. Oh, I tell you, my husband, he ain't no good. Sweet love, he's sitting with you in church. He came. My wife this and my wife that, bro. You hadn't missed a meal. She's still cooking for you. What happens is we get a bad attitude and we start picking at the things that people aren't good at, things that we don't like about them, and, and the things that agitate us now because we got a bad attitude when we lose all the beauty of who they are and why we loved them to begin with. Most of the marriage counseling that we do, if I can just get them to remember why they got married in the first place. But they lose that and they get an attitude about you didn't do this right and you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right. And all of a sudden, all of the, I picture all these emojis just, just flying across the street, screen of just discontentment and criticism and anger and frustration all because of an attitude and they've forgotten 
how much they do love and how good it really is. Can I just remind you of something? Parents, listen. Your kids may not do everything right, but they're your kids. They're beautiful. They're intelligent. You should know they're dumb. Well, they're yours. So you can choose <laughs> what attitude you want to have about it. But I thank God. Can I just tell you something? My mom and dad are sitting here on the front row. And uh, the other night, a bunch of the uh, old, uh, guys in the church were like, hey, let's go play some basketball. So they talked my old self into going playing basketball. And so mom and dad didn't have anything to do, so they came out and sat on the sidelines as five or six of us played basketball. You know what they did the whole time? You're the man, Adam. You're the man. I'm like, I'm a grown man, and my parents are cheerleading me. But you know why? Because that's what they've done their whole life. They believed in me. Do you I look like a professional potential basketball player? They told me, you're the greatest. You're the greatest basketball player. Dad texted me last night. It was so fun watching you play basketball. I was like, Dad. Why? Because they understand. They understand what a good attitude brings to me. It causes me to go bear hunting with a switch. Go attack any giant that comes in our family. Why? Because they had the good attitude to believe in me. Frank, can I tell you something? Listen, you, you, you're destroying your relationships because of your attitude. Yeah, yeah, maybe he doesn't jump up and clean the room as fast as he should. But I'll tell you something. He ain't going out doing drugs. He's not getting everybody pregnant. He's your boy. He's coming to church. He's going to EP. Have a good attitude about it. When we pick apart all those other things, we start destroying our relationships. That bad attitude's killing your relationships at work. Killing them. A woman by the name of Miss Laura Cruz was in first service, and uh, she gave me permission to tell the story. So she worked at Home Depot here in, in, uh, in Cedar Hill. And uh, her family, uh, mom and dad, and, and, uh, and her brother came to church here, and, and she was out of church, and you could see it on her. She, we'd go by Home Depot, and she'd visit a couple times. Church Pastor Adam, how you doing? And I would, every now and then I'd walk around the corner, and I'd see her over uh, with some of the other employees. Told him, and I told him. And I was like, ooh, I bet she's rough to work with. I told Jamie. <laughs> and so, you know, after about a year or so of that, Home Depot uh, um, gave, gave her some freedom papers uh, to go try out new things in her life. And, um, and so, you know, she showed up at church, and she was like, Pastor, I got fired. And I was like, oh, I prayed for her and believed for a job. She needed the income source. And she kept sitting here. She, and then she got right with God. She started coming. And she said to me, she said, I realized after applying for all these jobs, the problem wasn't everybody else, it was me. And she said, and I had to change my attitude. And so she, you know what? She said, I went over to Walmart here in Cedar Hill. And she said, and once I got in there, I found out that Walmart and Cedar Hill has one of the worst reputations. That the employees there act like they don't even want to work there. And that's what she said. And I was like, oh. And she said, uh, and so I'd, I'd gotten right with God. And you're preaching, you know, about, about everywhere you go to make that space bring Jesus into that space and let that impact happen around everyone around you. And she said, and I determined I was going to change my attitude at this job. And she said, and here I was. I was at the bottom of the totem pole. I had to start all over again. She said, but I started, I started uh, serving the cashiers and laughing and t- talking good to all the customers. Hey, thanks for coming into Walmart. Is there anything we can get you today? Just come. My name is Laura. Come get me. And she said, I just, I just changed everything about it. I wasn't making nearly as much money. I wasn't in charge of nothing like I'd been at Home Depot. But I just determined I was going to change my attitude. She said, I changed my attitude. And she said, Pastor, she told me this uh, right before service. She said, Pastor, that management came to me and said, we've got three job offers for you. You can be the GM. You can be the GM. 
you can go work, you can be the GM of this one, or you can go work in, in headquarters uh, in the main, uh, the main big branch up the road, and the paid course is doubling. And they said, or you can do uh, front of house. I, I forget the verbiage in, at Walmart, front of house, which is where you run around making sure all the cashiers are happy, all the people complaining are complaining to you, and da, da, da. And she says, I want that one. And they're like, what? That's the worst job here. She goes, I know, but if we're going to change the city, then we got to start where we're at. Which means i got to help change Walmart because it's got a bad reputation. Which means this is the place I want to be. Can I explain something to you? Your attitude will determine your altitude. Every time. And the impact that you're having on relationships is because your attitude. That's why your boss don't like you. That's why nobody wants to be around you. You say, I'm so lonely on Friday nights. I wonder why. I'm not. I can't keep up with all the invites. Not because I'm so great. Because I learned years ago, change your attitude. And I learned to change my attitude so people want to be around people with good attitudes. They're life-giving. Come on, you're there? Say yes. So number two, impact of old self-attitudes. Number one, you dishonor your relationships. Number two, you'll squander your opportunities. The bad attitude is causing you to squander your opportunities. There are opportunities all around, but you're missing them simply because, because, because you have such a bad attitude that opportunities aren't coming your way. You say, well, they're going to everybody else. It ain't fair. Right, because of your attitude. Everyone else is getting promoted and you're not because of your attitude. You keep missing business deals that you shouldn't be missing because of your attitude. Teddy Roosevelt said it like this. The single most important ingredient to success is how you get along with people. Single most important. It's not intelligence. It's not work ethic. It's how you get along with people. Do you have a good attitude that draws people in? Do you have an attitude that can help overcome problems? Everybody's got problems. Everyone wants to throw up those problems on you. But the difference between a follower and a leader is a leader's got a good enough attitude to say, come on, let's do this. We can do it. Come on, we figure it out. Oh, it's no big deal. Don't, don't kill yourself. Or don't, don't live in depression. You don't, have to, you don't have to be critical about that. We can overcome this. Oh, you don't have to be scared about that. Come on, we can do this. That's the difference. But that bad attitude keeps you missing your opportunities. You squander them. They're right there in front of you. you you're, you're so frustrated about what you don't have that you're missing what you do have. You're missing your opportunities. How many potential clients have you run off from your business because of your attitude? How, 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 many, how many promotions have you missed because of your attitude? Friend, let me tell you something. I've missed a bunch over the years, and I've learned to change my attitude, and it's caused God to be able to have the free reign to do what he wants to do in my life. Here's the third impact, as I can understand it, that the old attitude has, the old self-attitudes, uh, the impact on your life, and that is it'll devalue your mission. It'll cause you to devalue your mission. Why you're on this planet. See, what will happen is you, you'll get to devaluing your own mission because, because you want to go somewhere else. God's got you right here at this moment. That's what Laura came to the revelation of. She realized, wait a minute, this isn't the best Walmart. I'm not making the best money. Everybody here's got bad attitudes. But you know what? I'm not going to any longer be part of the problem. I'll be part of the solution. I'm going to make this my mission here to make this successful, I'm going to change the atmosphere because I'm going to change my attitude. And when she did that, it started changing the Walmart over there. And now all of a sudden management is like, that's who it is. Now all of a sudden she's being promoted. Why? Because she is on a mission to do something great right where she's at. What happens so many times, especially some of you CFNI graduates, you got a word from the Lord that one day you're going to be doing this. And you keep looking at that and you don't enjoy right here. And you keep seeing this way down here and say, one day I've got this picture and I don't have it yet. I don't have the big house. I don't have the big ministry. I don't have this. 
because, friend, you're missing people right here in this church that just need somebody to love on them. And because, because you are so busy looking past it and your attitude is so bad, you're missing that you have a mission right here. And you don't value that because it's not like you wanted it to be because it's not what you thought it was going to be. And so as a result, you miss the mission that you're assigned to right now because of our attitude. I'm just telling you. I love this storyline about Viktor Frankl. He's an Austrian, so I may not get his name exactly right. Viktor Frankl. During 1997, uh, as the world focused on the deaths of Princess Diana and Mother Teresa, a little, we almost forgot about an unknown, uh, unnoticed, excuse me, Australian psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl, who died September 2nd at the age of 93 there in 1997. 93 years young. Wow, that's a long life. And during World War II, Dr. Frankl was imprisoned in Auschwitz. Uh, there in the German prison camps, where he was stripped of his identity as a medical doctor and forced to work as a common laborer. His father, mother, brother, and family, and wife all died in the concentration camps. He lost everything. All his notes, which represented his life's works, were destroyed. And yet, in that process, as they were liberated, the Americans came through and liberated, he alone, out of all of his family, survived. He had nothing. No job, no money, no identity, Everything that he had been popular with, everything he had been good at, everything he had been known with was destroyed. And yet, as he came out of that concentration camp, he had such an attitude. And this is what he wrote. And this is one of his famous statements. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. And that is the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. I read some of his writings. He said it was amazing in these concentration camps. Those with bad attitudes died off before anyone else. Because it was Debbie Downer. We're not going to make it. They were thieves. They were, they were critical. They were, they were, they were, they were harsh with other, other, uh, other men. But those with good attitudes lived through the whole process. He went on to be one of the top psychiatrists in the world. Wrote many, many books. Was a Christian. Was a believer. And lived to 93 years. Can you imagine if he would have taken this terrible situation that had happened to him. And took the attitude that life's not fair. Come on somebody. They're like Pastor Jonathan preached. Or that, or that God abandoned me and, and I got beat on. I lost everything. Or if he would have taken the attitude that all men are terrible and horrible. Just the opposite. He had such a good attitude through this process. Through this horrible destruction of everything he held dear. Everything that was his identity. He had such a good attitude about it. Do you know what he specialized? in and has trained men and women around the world in. He specialized in the thought process that everybody, even the wicked of wicked, have a little bit of good in them. You've just got to give them a mission in life to pull the good out so that they won't keep doing the evil that they're, that they're bent to. He, he, he literally discipled, and it's not the word they use in, in his writing, but he literally, uh, you know, through, through therapy and whatever, 30,000 women who were suicidal after giving birth and things like that, postpartum and all that, and he saved 30,000 women from killing themselves or are on the brink of suicide just in his teachings and his understanding that there's good in people. you got to help them pull it out and get them on a mission to do that good. And it all came back to their, and this is his big statement, their attitude. Attitude. Attitude is determining your altitude. Some of you are like, it's not fair, life is not right. Listen, you're destroying, you are devaluing the mission that God has you on right now because of your bad attitude. You can't enjoy the mission, you can't be successful in the mission because you don't want to be on the mission because you keep trying to get somewhere else. Pause your life, look around and say, Lord, how can I be successful right here? Change my attitude and help me become successful in what you have right here, right now. I love the story of John Osteen. 
Joel Osteen's uh, dad, where he tells the story that he'd gotten saved. I think he was a newlywed, didn't have any money, and he, and he was working at a grocery store called the ministry. But what he would do, he, and when he got an attitude change, and he realized, wait a minute, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to be the most successful grocery store employee this grocery store's ever had. They put him over in the produce area, and he started shining all the apples. And he started just making all his displays look so good. He said, I'm going to make, they're going to feel like Jesus has walked the place. And his finger has touched every one of these. And so he just started making it so good. He'd get there early. He'd leave late. He he knew all the customers by name that would come into the produce area. And man, his stuff looked the best. It was the cleanest. And let me tell you something. They started making money hand over fist. And before he knew it, he was being promoted. Before he knew it, God was using him. He was making more money than he ever made. And he was the most popular person in that little town. Why? Because he was the produce kid who did it right and had a good attitude. Frank, can I tell you something? Wherever you're at, if you change your attitude about the thing, God will promote you in the middle of it and something supernatural can happen. So here's the fourth and final thing that I would say to you, that that, that old attitude, that old self-attitude, as, as Ephesians 4 was telling us and warning us about, here's the, here's the next place that it impact, and that is it'll cause you to miss your miracle. Miss your miracle. I almost missed my miracle sitting up in that balcony full of attitude, full of pride and arrogance, insecure about doing something great for God. Almost missed it because I was scared. And I played that out by being haughty. Almost missed my miracle. Some of you are missing your miracle because you keep wanting God to do one thing and you're missing the miracle that he's doing right here and right now. You keep wanting this over here. And God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And God's doing something right here, but you're missing it because of your attitude. Friend, I want you to know something, that God is for you and not against you. And whatever season you're in, if you can change your attitude and embrace it, look for the miracle right in the middle of it. Guys, guys you don't want any more than you can handle. You keep asking for more, and God's like, I love you too much to give you more. Because you're not handling well what I've given you now. you got a bad attitude about what you got now. And God's constantly trying to teach us to take off that old self-attitude Put on the new attitude that's like Christ. Put on the attitude of Christ. That's our goal with this series. When we come back next week, we'll talk about how to change, how to make those changes. And I'd leave you with a couple thoughts, and that is, number one, a couple of closing thoughts. The primary cause of your unhappiness isn't the situation you're in. It's your attitude towards the situation you're in. That's why you're unhappy. You think if you can change your situation, you'll be happy. Well, ask those people who've been married three and four times how well that's worked. Ask those people who've jumped from job to job how how much that's worked for them. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That my situation is my problem. It's not. It's your attitude. How can you be in a concentration camp? Your wife is dead. Your family's dead. Everything you knew has been stripped away from you and still have a good attitude. And emerge out of that one of the most successful. Can't imagine that man. If that man wouldn't have taken the next 70 years of his life or 60, whatever it was that he had left, and did something great with it because of his attitude, the thousands and tens of thousands that would not have been transformed because of his life. Here's another thought that I would give you, and that is this. Be the attitude you want to be around. Be the attitude you want to be around. Nobody likes to be around a sourpuss. Nobody enjoys being criticized everything they do. Nobody. That's, if you're not careful, you're going to end up lonely. Be the attitude that you want to be around. You want people to encourage you. Aren't you glad that your Savior, Jesus Christ, isn't critical of you? 
Aren't you glad that he doesn't live in depression? Oh, he ain't going to serve me today. I know he won't. He's going to do the same thing he already's always done. What I love about my Jesus, he's constantly cheering us on the greatest. Come on, come on, you can do it. Yes, yes. Oh, that's okay. Come on, try again. Let's try again. All right, go, go, go. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I told you not to step on that, so don't do that. Okay, all right. I told you not to step. Let's try again. There you go. Now, now you got it. Aren't you glad? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? That he didn't wait for us to be good? Aren't you glad that even though we fail a hundred times, Jesus picks us back up, dusts us back off, and keeps loving us? Aren't you glad that neither death, nor life, nor inner principalities, or any wickedness can separate us from his love? Aren't you glad that he has a good attitude? When our name comes up in heaven, he don't go, huh, huh, yeah, yeah, whoo, she's been a problem. Hmm. A lot of angels. I mean, I mean, I mean. Look, she's just wearing out the whole, whoo, the whole regiment, man. I tell you what, she's caused me more stress. Aren't you glad he's not like that, friend? Be the attitude that you'd want to be around. And then one last little closing thought, and that is this: your attitude is like a price tag. It shows how valuable you are. If you're cheap, then your attitude will show it. But if you see yourself for who you are. Son and daughter of the Most High God. Kings and priests seated with Him in heavenly places. Come on, if you see yourself as the righteousness of Christ Jesus, as the solution to this planet, can I tell you something? We may not be perfect, but we, got, we belong to Him. I may not have it all figured out, but He does, and He lives and abides in me. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is inside of me, and so put me in the middle of whatever the situation is, and if I can get my attitude right, then I can, I can hear from the Spirit of the Lord who's living and abiding. It can change every situation wherever I'm at. If I'll just be light in darkness, come on, if I can just be a good attitude in the midst of all the messy stuff, and friend, can I tell you something? It'll transform your life forever when you take off the old attitude and put on the new attitude of Christ. We got to do it. You all have toots. We all have toots. I'm telling you something. I have just about, I know how many miracles I've missed over the years because of my attitude. But God, who is full of grace and mercy, gives us other chances and allows us to grow and mature at our own pace. Would you stand with me all across the room? Hope this has helped you today. I want to minister to you for the next couple minutes that we have left, and I want to see God do something and start something in us today. When we come back again next week, we'll talk about how to make those changes. We'll go back into our third week and talk about how to, how to have the right attitude in the horrible, difficult, tragic point, points of life, and then we'll finish our last week out by studying the Beatitudes and the promises that are ours for the future when our attitudes match that of Christ. I want you to bow your heads with me all across the room. There's not a man or woman in this room that doesn't need to change an attitude spot. Not one. Including the guy preaching. Each and every one of us. Man, I was so convicted while I was preparing. And just, Lord, I, I realized I had a bad attitude about this. Lord, I realized I've, I've, I've pushed certain people away because of my attitude. I realized, Lord, God has hindered my relationships. I've, I've devalued the mission that I was on at times because, because of my attitude. Right there where you stand, with your head bowed, I want you to try to identify the attitude that seems to be habitual for you. Maybe that you grew up with in your family. Everybody may laugh about it and say it's cute, but at the end of the day, it's been destructive for you. It's been harmful to you. Or maybe because of the situation that transpired a couple years ago, you now carry this attitude. I don't know what it is, but I want you to identify it. And now, as you stand there, your head bowed and your eye closed, I want you to have just a moment with the Lord and say to the Lord, say, Lord, I want to take that off. Would you help me get that off? And would you, I want to take on the attitude of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus did not come to, serve, to be served, but to serve. 
And he took on the attitude of a servant, lowering himself to our human state and did not see it as improper to do it. And then went to the cross for you and me. As you stand there, just kind of interacting with your God, the Lord who loves you, the Lord who saved you, the Lord who speaks to you in the night, the Lord who talks to you out of his holy word, the Lord who's brought you here to this church to be a part of our family, that same God is there talking to you, interacting with you. And I want you to tell him, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't know this was lingering like this. I want you to say under your breath, say, Lord, I want you to help me take this off so that I can put on the attitude of Christ, the attitude of forgiveness, the attitude of encouragement instead of criticism, the attitude of life instead of death and Debbie Downer and depression. Just give me a second for that to happen between you and your God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. We love you. We need you, Jesus. Father, where we ran off relationships because of our attitude, help us, Lord. Where we missed miracles because of our attitude, help us, Jesus. Where we've lost brain space, angry at the person and what they did, replaying it over and over in our mind. We want to be made new in the attitude of our mind. Thank you, Jesus. Heal us, God. Free us. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity for any man or woman in this room who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, who aren't sure that if they died today, they'd go to heaven. Friend, He loves you. That's not just some rhetoric. The Creator reaching out to you he lost us to sin so he bought us back with the blood of his son Jesus that whosoever would believe in him they wouldn't go to hell, they wouldn't perish but they'd have eternal life today if you're away from God and maybe, maybe sin happened, maybe you just got to eating so much of that, that junk and you just walked away from God don't even know when it happened well you're here today something's happening in your heart you want him back let's go ahead and seal the deal maybe say pastor I've never been a Christian I don't quite understand all of it but I I do recognize that there's a God who loves me and I would like a relationship with him friend that's what Christianity is it's not about buildings it's not about tithes and offerings those are all the part of the processes of being the family but it's about you and Jesus knowing each other being best friends today if you're not friends with Jesus you don't think you would go to heaven when you die would you let me pray with you I won't embarrass you this is a personal decision for you with your God but I'd like to be a part of it with you by helping you connect if we were at a party and I was talking to my best friend Jesus and I saw you I'd run grab you by the hand and bring you over and introduce you get you guys knowing each other and then y'all would start a relationship that introduction is what I would like to do today I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance I'd like to help you humble yourself and walk away from what you've been involved in and come and be involved in what he's involved in I'd like to introduce you or reintroduce you so with every head bowed and every eye closed if that appeals to you, if that's you you know you're away from God, you want God in your life, you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior 
with no one looking around, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you more. God bless you. Anybody? Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Throw it up real high. Don't be ashamed. This is your moment. You and your God. It's just me, you, and heaven watching. Anybody else? Give you a couple more seconds. About three or four more seconds. Anyone? Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Sure. Amen. All right, put your hands down. Now, I want to lead you in that prayer connection. It's a prayer of repentance. It's asking him to forgive you. That's what we're going to do. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray out loud with you so you're not by yourself. But those who lifted their hands, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. I want you to say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner and I need you. And I ask you now, forgive me of my sin, the way I've been living. Help me. Change me. Come into my life. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord. I receive your grace. Say it again. I receive your grace. Let your mercy cover me. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Those who couldn't even get their hand up, they're so embarrassed, but they want you. I pray right now, God, that the peace that surpasses all understanding, makes no sense, would come upon them now. Lord, that they could walk out of this place knowing that they may not be perfect, they may still have some stuff to sift through, but they got you now in their life, and, you, and they're in your life. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for open understanding of who you are and whose they are now. Lord, I just thank you for peace. I thank you for joy. I thank you, Lord God, as, that as, they, as they stand here, having prayed that prayer and meant it with all of their heart, that they would know that they know that they're yours. They belong to you now. And that, Lord God, you don't let anybody pick on your kids. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing, covering, peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.